I want to talk a little bit today about demonic activity. I want to start there. Too often, I think, anymore in our church world, we kind of don't want to acknowledge demonic activity. We want to kind of, almost like we don't want to, we're afraid to talk about it. Like, it's, is it real? Is it not real? And is it just more me messing up? And uh, you know, is there really a demon that's really trying to use me and control me and, and manipulate my life? And I think too often we just kind of want to dismiss it and say, well, you know, quick, like, God's grace, and I'm good. I just messed up. And, and I don't think we really realize the magnitude of what's going on in our world. And I want to really start driving the point home and say that we're born into a fight in this world. We're born right into it. There's no choice. You don't have the option to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't want to participate. That's not, it's not an option. You're born into a spiritual war like it or not. And I, 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 I'm not, sometimes I'm not big on titles. Today I was kind of, my mind, I sat there, I said, well, I guess I got to put a title page. And I, I just came back to come up with, you are a target. You're a target of the enemy. And the reason is, it's not because you're saved. It's not because uh, of anything great you've done. It's not like he waits and says, oh, wait, I got to. You're a target because you're born and created in the image and likeness of God. The, the enemy, that's what he wanted to do in the beginning. He wanted to be like God. And all of a sudden, he sees God create something in his image, and he hates that thing. And all he wants to do is destroy it, ruin it, tear it down. So the minute you're born, and we're all born in God's image, the enemy has a target squarely on your back. And if you think, well, I, I'm not doing all that much kingdom work. I just go to church and do my thing. The enemy surely doesn't target. You don't know the kingdom. You have a target on you. The enemy has a system at work to tear you down, to ruin your life, to have you ruin others' lives, and he has a network set up to really, really entrench you, drag you in. He studies you. He watches you. He sees your habits. He watches. He listens to what you say, and they go to work. Now, I don't say all this to try to promote the enemy and his, his, you know. But at the same time, I think we need to be cognizant and aware. So, first slide, I think, just the title, right? I promise you it's on there. It's your target, and you better be willing to fight back. I want to start out today just kind of simply... This is one of these messages I don't, I'd show you my notes, but it would probably make some of you scream because there's notes everywhere and little rabbit holes everywhere. And I try to, I'd sit down and I'd make a new page and i say, well, this is going to be the outline. And I start scribbling in that thing and scribbling and I go, well, I got to make a new one. And I go to the next page and then, I think today I want to start out by, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to us like real talk. Let's get, let's give you some real talk. I'm even going to sit down, which I never do, and you all know that. How does the enemy get in? He sees you born, he's got a target on you, and he says, man, okay, let's get to work on this one. How, do, how does he get in? And I put a list of like a lot of like little things. And he, he, the enemy started out, I mean, this is right in the Bible from the get-go, Genesis 3.1. Next slide. What's the, very, what's the first encounter we have with the enemy in the Bible? Did God really say, Eve, can you go to the next slide, please? And it's the same way with us in our life. Did God really say he loves you? Did God really say he forgives you? Does God really say he's going to take care of you? And it comes in with all kinds of questions and all kinds of lies. And what he wants to do is manipulate the situation. You know, He wants to point out something and say, well, did God really say you couldn't eat from the tree? I mean, did he really say that? And she's like, well, yeah. But, and he's like, well, it's because he knows you're going to be like him. 
It's this twisting thing. So I'm sure a lot of you, I would think everybody in here, at one point has had the enemy come and say, did God really say he loves you? Because you don't, I don't feel it. Did God really say he's going to take care of you because you're lacking? You don't have money for this, 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 this. Did God really say he forgives you because, man, I feel guilty and I feel like I'm a bad person and I've done so much wrong stuff? I mean, and the enemy's going, see, he didn't really forgive you or else you wouldn't feel that way. It's, 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 it's all mind games. And the enemy's after two things. I mean, I, I'm trying to, I shouldn't say he's after only two things, but I really want to focus on the two things he's after. He's not, a lot of times we just say the enemy's trying to take you out. And I, I really, I, I think sometimes that's true, but I don't think his main goal is just to kill everybody. Because I've said this before, if you're a Christian, what's your end game? You're going to heaven. Well, I mean, does he really win the battle there? So what he wants is more of your confession, and he wants to control what comes out of your mouth. He wants to battle in your mind and get you to con control what you say and how you say it. That's where it battles at, because let's, let's be real. If he, can take my, if he can take my confession and my tongue and manipulate it, change it around, not only is it going to ruin my life, but what am I going to do? I get a good chance of ruining others' lives. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He's not worried, like, I, you know, I'm going to set up Jay to be in a, you know, fiery car wreck today, maybe. But he could do more damage if he could get me in a situation where I can fall into sin, denounce Jesus, and then start spreading all this discord and anger towards the church and its people. Then I can get other people to fall away. That's what he wants. So how do we let him in? How, what's our, you know, and I think I got a list. Next slide, please. I, I got some more questions up there, you know. Does he love you? Does he forgive you? Would he meet your needs? Did God really say you shouldn't do that? You know, when you start feeling like maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Did God really say that? Did God really say you shouldn't listen to or watch that? Did God really say you should al he would always be there for you? Did God really say he has someone lined up for you? Little ways to get you just to think. And once he gets you to start to thinking, he knows he's at least got a little groundwork in there. He's at least got a little shovel in the dirt, digging out a little foundation. So, <clears throat> next slide, please. Here's some things. How do we let the enemy have access? Now, there's a ton, but I just started thinking of just things that were, you know, real. Alcohol, drugs. You know, the Bible says clearly about drunkenness, not getting into heaven. Alcohol and drugs do what to your mind? Alter it. I'm going to be transparent. Maybe anybody else will be. How many, have, how many of you in here have done something really, really stupid under the influence of something? How many can you say, I would not have done that thing if I wasn't under the influence of something? Okay. How many of you made a life-altering, not just like a little, oops, I shouldn't have done it, but like a life-altering decision under the influence of something? Okay. I would share some things, but I'm not. Um, time constraints, that's why. Stealing, theft. I mean, that's an obvious one, but... You know, you say, well, that's common sense. But common sense is really only what is indoctrinated in you. You know, a, a, a kid doesn't grow up really knowing theft is wrong. They, it's kind of a learned thing. You know, what's well, common sense? Not really. I mean, they have to learn. It's, it's not okay to take something that's not yours. It's not okay to, to steal something that's not yours. And it's a, it's, a, it's a learned, again, habit. You know, I, I put that one up there thinking, well, that's kind of, I even said to myself, that's kind of common sense. But I thought, no, because it's a problem. It's a problem with a lot of people, you know. It, they won't miss it. It's only a small thing. It's not a big deal. But theft is theft, you know. You steal something, you've stole something. Doesn't matter if it's worth $10 or $1,000. Anger, wrath, whew, that's a big one. 
Again, the same question. How many of you all have done something you really regret in a state of wrath or anger? And you look back and think, man, was it really worth it? Probably not. Probably wasn't worth it. Lust. That's a big one. And I think that's getting into our world a lot at a younger age. I'll talk about the kids' stuff here in a minute, but lust. And it doesn't just, just have to be a physical lust, but I think that's where a lot of us fall. And a lot of us are pornography, you know, just staring at the opposite sex. You know, I, I, I want to point it more at men because I am one, but women are probably guilty too. But I don't, I mean, you don't hear women fall into that and talk about it as much, but I'm sure it's true. But men, we have a real problem. I mean, you know, and we always want to make excuses. Well, she shouldn't have wore those pants. She shouldn't have wore that shirt, or else I wouldn't have looked. Is it really the shirt, or is it more that the spirit of lust is on you wanting to look and oogle and stare? And Sexual perversion. You know, the Bible says man, woman, married. If it's outside of that, it's a sexual perversion. Pride. Again, I, I lean towards men here, but, you know, how many of y'all just don't want to say you're wrong? You never want to admit you're wrong. Never want to say, ah, I messed up. I'm really sorry. Nope, I, I mean, it's not a problem. I might have messed up a little bit, but I ain't, you know, I'm still good. Pride. Pride. And I, I've realized a lot of times if you, if you take a lot of issues and trace them back, you say, well, here's, here's the thing. Let's go, let's trace, let's back, let's trace back, let's trace back. It comes back to pride. It really does. Do that one time with, with, a, mis, with a mistake or a, you know, a sin and kind of network it back. You'll come back to pride because you didn't want to admit something was wrong or you didn't want to admit that you messed up or you didn't want to, like, you know, uh, forgive somebody. You didn't want to, you know, things like that. Which joints right the next thing? Unforgiveness. If you're walking around bitter, resentful, holding a grudge, man, the enemy is just loving that. Loving that. That's a groundwork for, because he can really control your tongue then. Don't forgive them. Man, they don't deserve it. They surely, don't, don't dare you say you're sorry. You deserve to, to hold your ground. Don't you dare. Don't, no, 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 no. Like, that's the enemy's stomping ground. Jealousy. That comes in early. A lot of people, you're lacking. You don't have a lot of things. You know, I, you grow up poor and all of a sudden you see somebody that's got nice things and you're like, well, I don't have nice things. I want those things. And, you, and instead, it's, it's not about what you actually do have in your blessings. It's about what you don't have. That's where your focus is at. And I, I love the meme that's all about relativity. I don't know if you all seen it, but it shows a uh, person driving like a really nice car. And the next meme shows a person driving a decent car, and they're focused on, that. well, man, look at that car. Man, that's really nice. I wish I had that one. Next one is a person riding a bike, and they're looking at the person with the decent car going, I just wish I had a car to drive instead of having to ride this bike. The next one shows a person walking. They just wish they had a bike to get places. They have to walk places. The next one shows a person in a wheelchair saying, man, I wish I could just walk. And it's all about our perspective. You know, where are you at? Do you, you know, but it's like a lot of times we're always focused on something else instead of the blessing that we actually are surrounded by. Selfishness. That's a big problem with kids, but we have it too. What's mine is mine, and I earned it, and I deserve it, and I don't want to share any of it. And gossip and drama. Just click on social media. I don't even have to explain any more of that. We're all guilty here. And we know, I think, sometimes to bite our tongue, and we just, we just don't want to because we want to we we stir it up. We want to share, you know, we want to share secrets. And guess what so-and-so is doing? Guess what so-and-so did? Man, you'll never believe this. And there's that fine line between you're your spitting facts and you're stirring the pot. And it's one thing to, to talk about 
something and somebody needs prayer, you know, like, and somebody's, they just got diagnosed with this, we really need to step in in prayer. Or as opposed to somebody like, man, so-and-so just checked themselves in the hospital. <laughs> They're losing the band. Like, are you really doing the right thing there, or are you just kind of wanting to spread gossip around? So, <clears throat> there are others. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not saying it's there. That's the list. I mean, that's, that's only what, 10? 3, 6, 10? There's more, I'm sure. Probably somebody sitting right now going, what about this? What about this? I'm not saying that's it, but I think those 10 are what jumped into my spirit. That's how the enemy gets in, and that's how he, he gets a foothold. That's, and that's all sometimes he needs. He just needs that little crack in the door to try to wedge his way in. And here's, here's one of the biggest problems, I think. I'm going to transition a little bit. Next slide, please. This, you'll see where I'm trying to correlate this. This is John 8, chapter, or verse 37 through 42. This is Jesus talking with the, with the Pharisees. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Hmm. Little nugget there. The Pharisees shout back, our father's Abraham. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow my example or his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. Again, they reply, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus, once again, if God was your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Next slide. Verse 43. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. Now he says it. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he's a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now, I want you to think, just get a little deep with me. The Pharisees, in their heart of hearts and minds, thought they were serving who? God. They, it wasn't like they thought, we're evil. We're against God. We're they legitimately in their mind and heart thought they were serving God. And Jesus is going, you ain't getting it, man. You're missing it. And I say that to say to, to a lot of us, we sometimes do things and think, I'm doing, I'm doing God's work. And there should be a little bit of voice in there from Jesus going, no, you're not. You're missing it. And I want us to be cautious of that. I'm not accusing anybody. I want us to be just cognizant of that, though, that be careful not to get yourself in a spot where you, you honestly are thinking you're doing what God wants you to do. But you're not. You're missing it. And you're actually serving the devil. Like, it's a real, real thing to be cognizant of. And we're going to get into more like, well, man, how do I, I'm not trying to scare anybody. But how do I recognize this? That's, that's where we're going. How do, you know, like, it's a real thing. And I, I just want people to realize sometimes if God or, or, or if a fellow believer, a Christian comes to you sometimes and says, man, are you sure you, you know, are getting, like, maybe you're, you're doing something wrong and you're like, no, no, no. I'm telling you, God told me to do this. You sure? Like, kind of doesn't really go with the word. So, and then, if, if, like I said, that's where pride kicks in. I heard from God. Should I really, like, 
well, I'm going to move in with this girl or guy because God told me that's the one for me. Are you, you know, are you intimate? Well, yeah, but that's okay. Because God said that's the one for me. Did God really say that? Because I think the contradiction would be that you shouldn't do that. So in, in the mind is, I'm serving the Lord because I'm, I'm being with the person that God said I'm supposed to be with. But in reality, you're living against the Word of God. Therefore, who you're really serving by jumping in bed with somebody you're not married with. And here's where we want to, here's where we want to blame it, too. Next slide. Why God? Why, why am I in this place? Why did God put me here? Why, I, why am I here, man? This isn't fair. I don't deserve. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Death. Now, I highlighted conceived there because what does conceived mean, what we most think? Sperm, egg. When they come together, what happens? A new creation. Something's conceived from two items coming together. Now, when desire has conceived, so what is that? Let's think about that spiritually. The enemy comes in and says, hey, whisper something in your ear. And you fight it off. You're kind of going like, ah, I recognize that. That's not, no. I'm not, I shouldn't be doing that. I'm just trying to think of a real world example. Let's say, oh, okay. My work hired a new girl. So here's, here's my new girl at work. And I'm a guy at work. And I go, ooh, hey. And I'm married. And all of a sudden, she, we start interacting, and I'm like, man, she seems really cool. And the enemy right away goes, oh, whispers in my ear, you know, you're really not happy with your spouse. Look at, look at her. Look at her. Look how cool she is. There's the, the, the thought. There's the, the thing that the enemy's trying to plant, the egg, I will say. And you know right away, if you don't cut that thing, kill that thing, it's going to just grow. And then we keep talking. All of a sudden, we're Facebook friends. All of a sudden, oh, I need your number. I'm just going to invite you all with the rest of the group out to the get-together. Now i got the number. And it's just growing. And sure enough, finally, in your heart of hearts, you make the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hang out with her one-on-one. That, that egg, the, the enemy planted, just got conceived because you lined up with it in your heart. And it created a new thing. A pure evil desire to be with somebody that's not your spouse. That thing's conceived now. And now what happens is, about who I'm going home to. I'm thinking about who I left at work. I'm thinking about her. Now that thing's fully conceived, man. It's growing. The, the plant by the, the enemy, the little nugget, matched up with your heart saying, I'm going to commit, I'm going to try, I'm going to go after this thing. Conceived. So now you're just walking in sin. And then, of all things, we... This is where, you know, we, we get into this walking with God. Well, think about the, the circumstances of how she got hired. I mean, she was, she was like the least qualified, and someone else was going to get the job, but then they got hired somewhere else, and it had to be God's will that she got this job. And we're just working right beside each other. That's God's will, man. That's God's will for my life. I was, I was saying I wasn't happy, and I just wanted this beautiful woman to show up at work. Look what happened. 
That's God's work. And then you have a Christian brother or sister come saying, hey, um, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. This is not anti... Whatever. You don't know what God's told me and what he's doing. Pride. This is how the enemy works. So, in order to try to... (laughs) uh, This is why it's important. I'm going to transition again. As adults, to take the knowledge, wisdom that you have Biblical knowledge and do what? Transition it to your kids. If we're not teaching our kids right and wrong, what the enemy said, how the enemy works, we're not teaching them. And then when they're grown up, we're we're like, what happened here? Why are you acting like? Why are you stealing stuff? Why are you lusting? Why are you watching poor? I don't know. You never taught me it was wrong. Or I saw you do it. Oops. Next slide. So this is why you see this from the... See, I tried to make these fonts bigger. My thing, I don't... So if you can't read it, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 4.9.10. This is, I mean, God is setting up His people on the earth. And this is one of the very first things He tells them. Take care, keep your soul diligent, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How in the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and they may teach their children so. Teach your kids. Two, two chapters later, Deuteronomy 6. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You bind them on a sign on your hand. There'll be frontlets between your eyes. You'll write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. How important is it? God is saying to them, know the law. Know what I'm telling you. Follow my commandments. Teach your kids. Write it down. Talk about them. Go to bed talking about them. Wake up talking about them. Talk about right and wrong. Next slide. And it continues. Deuteronomy 11. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be a frontlets between your... Same thing. Almost the exact same thing. And in Proverbs 22.6, we use this a lot, but train up the child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And where I want to go there is, if you're raising your kids and you're saying, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, Bible says this, Bible says this, Bible says don't do that, Bible says. You are planting seeds for their life. That doesn't mean when they're 14, 15, 10, 26, they're not going to get wrapped up in sin. That doesn't mean they're not going to make horrible decisions at some point. But twofold thing here. Number one is we got to stop beating ourselves up as parents and saying, what did I do wrong? How did, I taught them all this right and wrong, but they're still, okay, they're still an individual in this world. that they're, You didn't do anything wrong. And what happens is that seed is in there, and at some point in their life and their ugliness, they're going to realize, man, I know better. Just like the prodigal son. He came to his senses. It says, he's out living in the world, he's broke, poor, eating with the pigs, nowhere to live, and says, I came to my senses. i got to go back to the Father's house. When you plant those seeds in your kids, you've got to have faith that at some point, when they start making that, they're going to come to their senses. When they get caught up in addiction, it doesn't mean you're like, oh, I told them about that. They saw what addiction does. I told them about it. That doesn't mean they're exempt from, a, from ever, ever falling into that. Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean you failed. And that's what the enemy twofold wants to. He wants to drag them into addiction and then turn around and you go, you failed, you messed up. He wants to work both ends of it. So he's got a person over here suffering addiction when 
parent over here suffering from guilt and shame win. I win. Both ends. Instead of just staying faithful in prayer and saying, God, I know I taught them this. And I know you're going to bring it to like Holy Spirit. You're going to track them down, keep pounding home right and wrong, and eventually they're going to come back to the light. Eventually it's going to happen. All right. Now, I said earlier we're born into a fight. So let's, let's talk about fighting for a second. I'm going to try to use real-world simulation with spiritual connotation. You know, you'll see what I'm talking about. Jeff, come on up here. Everybody know Jeff Paul? Yeah. Now, Jeff is an experienced fighter if y'all don't know that. I mean, legitimately. Like, he can fight. Okay? So, now for, for those of you who don't know that, or you do know that, okay, now if, if in the natural, I said to Jeff, I want to go. I'm, I'm going to go. What, what do you all know in your mind? He's getting ready to get whooped. <laughs> Jay is getting ready to get blasted. Like Jay's gonna be bleeding here in a second on the ground. Like it's it's a no-brainer. Like if you if you know the situation, man, <laughs> Pastor Jay picked a bad fight. And here's the thing: this is what it looks like in the spirit realm when you come at the enemy with your strength. And you're you're, you know, like, all right. And 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 Jeff and Jeff's an experienced fighter, and he's like, I'm I'm gonna, I mean. You ain't got a shot here, bro. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to laugh at you. I'm going to snicker and just pop you a couple times. And... Now, Jeff, being an experienced fighter, if you're, if you're, you know, obviously you're not going to stand with your hands down. You're going you're gonna to get a fighting stance, hands up. Now, if I approach somebody, like if I'm, if I'm in a, let's say, in an ugly situation, you know, working in a prison, things could sometimes really get out of control. If I, like, look at somebody and square up and all of a sudden he does this, what's that tell me? This guy knows how to take care of himself. I better proceed with a little caution. Uh-oh. You like, I didn't just come upon some schmuck here. Like, it kind of gets my mind in a little bit of an altered state. You know, I'm not coming up and be like, man, oh crap. Like, I better rethink this. And so that's what the enemy, when you kind of prepare yourself, he sees a different side of you. He sees like somebody he really has to kind of step back and think, well, wait, we really gotta. Reprogram this one because this one's got, he got the word on him and he's gonna, he's gonna fight back and he kind of knows his stuff. But if Jeff stands, get a fighting stance. If Jeff, if, if he tells me or if I know in his hearts, he's not gonna throw one punch. He's not gonna throw one punch. I, I know in my heart of hearts, guaranteed, he's not gonna throw one punch. He's just going to play defense. What's that tell me? I, can go, I mean, I could just... Now, he might be the best defense. He might be Floyd Mayweather, you know, blocking me, blocking, block, block, block. But guess what? If I know he's not going to throw one punch back, I could just, I'm just going to keep coming. Now, I might tire out a little bit and go, I need, need a minute breather, and come back. And I don't care, like, how inexperienced, eventually... I'm going to wear him down and get a couple shots in. I mean, eventually, I'm, I'm going to get, and he's even going to get tired just playing defense, okay? So, I mean, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm throwing knees, I'm, I'm you know, bringing, boom, boom. Now, I want to transition. Stay here, Jeff, one second. Go to the next slide, please. Okay, we all know this, the armor of God. If you don't, we're going there. Because what's our, what, before I get there, what's our fight against? Is it a, yes, it's not against Jeff. There's a spirit driving Jeff. I, I did that illustration a couple weeks ago. Remember sometimes, man, we're, we're debating, arguing in a fight with somebody. It's not a flesh flesh. It's a spirit spirit. When someone's belittling you or insulting you, it's not, you got to get, we got to look past. It's not them. There's a spirit using them to put you down, insult you. 
This is why it's so important every day. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, which, which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. Now, what do all those pieces have in common? What are they designed for? Protection. Good. So, helmet, belt, shoes, breastplate, shield. Okay? If all you do is play defense, you're never going to win the game. Think of any sport. Football. Does football just have their defense on the field the whole time? No. Hockey. Does the team just stay back and be like, we're just going to try to keep you from scoring? We're not going to try to score. We're just going to try to keep you from scoring. No. Baseball. We're just going to keep pitching, stay in the field. You guys keep hitting. We don't, you know, we don't want to bat. All those things are defense. And like I said, if Jeff only plays defense and I'm coming at him, eventually I'm going to get a shot in. I'm going I'm to wear him down. What do I need to do eventually? I need to pull out my sword and go to work on the offense. The next slide, the spirit or the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's the only thing you're given for offense. Everything else is to protect you. You're in the fight. I'm protected. But eventually you got to get the enemy and use your sword. If you don't use your sword, all you're doing is just dodging, ducking, Dip, dodge, duck. Anybody know that? No. And eventually the enemy just wears you down. You know, ah, deflect that, deflect that, deflect that, deflect that. I don't believe that. Nope, I don't believe that. Boy, it's getting tiresome. That's because the enemy knows he, he, he doesn't have to light up because you're not throwing any punches back. He's just going to keep coming and coming. Thoughts, program. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you this. Oh, okay, you don't like that? You don't believe you're, you, I'm not going to hook you with drugs? Okay, I'll come at you and tell you you're a loser. You ain't good enough. You're ugly. You're not smart, blah, blah. Ah, I don't believe all that because God says, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, well, you're single. Well, you don't have anybody. Well, your kids are this. Well, your mom, yeah, but nah, that's not what God says. And Eventually, he's going to find something to make you go, maybe he's right. Did God really say? He's going to find something in there that's going to finally get you beaten down. Thank you, Jeff. Good. Appreciate it. Give it up for Jeff. The only way to defeat your enemy is to brandish that sword. You have to brandish your weapon that God has given you, which says it's the word of God and I'm going to use it. How did Jesus defeat the devil at the temptation when he's tempted? With the word. Was it a different word back then than we have available now? Same, same word. Hmm. Huh, same word. And it's even better now. It got bigger, like since Jesus was, you know, more stuff. Does everyone get what I'm saying? Like, if you're just sitting there just trying to deny the enemy access to your brain and you don't fight back, he's going to get you. Eventually, he's going to wear you out. You have to be willing to get on the offensive. And you're only given, you weren't given like three weapons. You weren't given like a sword and a javelin and a gun and a knife. He said, yeah, I gave you a sword. And guess what? It's all you need. It's all you need. Now, if the enemy comes in, think about, think about the same illustration with Jeff. You're in a brawl situation, and you look over in the corner, and there's a person with a sword going like this. You ain't going near that person. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'll find someone else over here. And in the spirit, that's what it looks like. The enemy, 
they're, they're aligned up. There's, there's, there's demons programmed for you specifically. And the, and, the, and the hierarchy's telling them, you go get them. I don't, don't come back telling me you failed. And that enemy comes storming after you, and he walks in the room, and you're going, and then he's like, oh, man, I... He can't go back, though, and report failure. He's got to try. <laughs> he's going to try. And you're whipping that sword around. And here's the thing. We don't need to wait. You don't need to only get your sword out when the enemy's beating on your head. My wife said, say it again, I'm going to say it again. You don't have to wait till the enemy's beating your brains in to pull your sword out. Have that sword out at all times. Just wield that thing. Let the enemy know. Not, not today, devil. Not today. Now, I had a butt ton of ending things because I really want to drive this home. I had so many... <laughs> Does God really love me? Let's, let's, let's jump. Next slide. First John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation Propitiate. <laughs> I need a different translation. Lord, grace me. Propitiation of our sins. Ah, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Say that. Say it out loud. Like, say it when, when, when the, the slightest little thing. Say it in the mornings. I'm, I'm going to challenge everybody today. I, I mean, I have more. I can just read them out. But, like, take these verses this week and just read them out loud. And you're not, here's the thing, where, where faith really, like, comes into play. There's a, there's a huge difference between just going, like, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whoever pleased Him, spiritually. Who are you reading that to? Don't, when you get that sword out, declare that. Because guess what the enemy is doing? Listening. And if you say that with a heart of, I know who my Father is, and he loves me. That is wielding your sword. The enemy can't come and whisper in your ear, God doesn't love you. Because, well, I know that's not true because he's, he's, they're declaring it. So I really can't use that line. Hmm. Fail. Next slide. Does God really care for me? I mean, is he going to meet my needs? Is, does he really care about all my little things? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's a shepherd do? Takes care of the flock. The Lord is my shepherd. You're telling the enemy what? My father will take care of me. My father cares about me. He's going to meet my needs. He's going to feed me. Give me a place to live. And also keep a watch out that the enemy can't come in here. He's good. Next slide. Does God really forgive me? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8.12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. I'm going to stop right there real quick. Here, here's a rabbit hole a little bit. 
First John 1 John 1.9, we, we kind of we want to gloss over the beginning of that. If we confess our sins. See, too often anymore, we, we don't want to do that. We want to just say, well, I messed up, but I don't need to tell anybody. I'll just grace. Grace. Good. But like I said earlier, if the enemy's in there and he's got a little ground dug and a little seed planted and it's and you just kind of you're you're giving into it and you're like, well, the Bible says I should confess and he's gonna but I really don't want to confess because then I'm kind of admitting guilt and someone's gonna look at me weird and think, well, how did you do why'd you do that? Or how you know, like again with the should I really go to a challenging place? Back to the illustration with, with the pretty girl at work. If I've given into that a little bit and we flirted and I've, I've, I've approached her and I've crossed the line a little bit and, and I come to my senses and I say, oh my gosh, I've really, oops, I, I messed up. Man, I really messed up. I could easily just be like, well, no one knows. It was just between her and I. I, I didn't, we'll just pretend like it didn't happen. So you don't, you don't confess it. You just kind of want to grace it. Move the rug and move the couch. Eh, nothing underneath that couch. I ain't sweeping underneath there. But what's still in there? That seed the enemy planted. It's still in there. So what happens is they'll hire another girl at work. And then you're like, still unhappy at home. Well, now there's another girl at work. Oh, man, I'm not doing the same. It's like you're falling in the same trap. Because what you didn't do was really confess your sin. You just kind of wanted to gloss it over. Or just like I talked about stealing earlier, you know? You steal something big and you kind of repent of it and you think, man, I'm, phew, i got a problem. And like all of a sudden you're like, you know, oh, I need a new pen. And it's just a pen. No one's going to miss that. Just one pen. I, what? That's not, a, that's not a big deal. I didn't, I didn't steal a hundred bucks. It's a pen. Have you really dealt with your sin-stealing nature? Or have you confessed it? And here's, here's the really mind-blowing thing of it. Is God surprised when you confess it? Is he like, what? You stole something? Sinner. <laughs> he knows. I, I don't, listen, this is one of those things where by faith I just have to go by what he says. I don't understand, what, you know, God, why do I have to confess to you if you already know I did it? But he says to do it. And I think what it really boils down to is it's just like everything else with the enemy. When you verbally declare that, you're letting the enemy kind of know this thing ain't going to work on me anymore. Lord, I confess I'm a thief. I'm sorry. I'm going to repent of being a thief. Strength me. You know, pray whatever you need to pray. Because not only is God hearing that, the enemy's going, oh, crap. Now I've got to report back and say, not gonna, stealing's not going to work anymore. Man, I can't put stuff in front of him because he's not going to do it. They're still going to try. And I meant to, to kind of point that out earlier, you know, with the kids growing up. The enemy doesn't have this moral compass. Where he's not like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to attack. He's only 10. I'm not going to go after him. I mean, eh, I'll wait till he's old enough. They don't care. Everything you do wrong growing up is just another notch in the belt for the enemy to use. It's another thing he can put, ooh, I can use that in the future. How many of y'all fell into a, a, some kind of a sin when you were young? I mean, you battle that thing for years and years, and years, and years. And isn't it, isn't it fascinating how, how we're all different? 
You could lay a smorgasbord of, of drug goodies on this thing in front of me. Heroin, cocaine, pot. I mean, and I'd be like, I, there'd be no, I, I wouldn't even, the enemy knows that. But yet some of you in here, you'd be like, Like, it would be horrible because he, he's seen it. He knows it works. Isn't it fascinating how the same thing can kind of come up in your life? Why do I, how do I keep? Because the enemy has a plan. He's not stupid. I've, told, I've said this before from this pulpit. I'd, I'd be in my 20s be like, I'm getting my life in order. I'm doing it this time. Getting my life in order. No more, no more of this, Lord. I'm shoo. And I would, I confess. I mean, I, I'm not saying I but the enemy would go like, Oh yeah. It's Jay, huh? Uh let's let's set up a party. Make sure there's alcohol and girls there. Good work. Enemy, yes, sir. Girls, beer. Hey, Jay, man, coming over tonight? Nah, nah, I shouldn't. Oh, come on, man. It's Brian's turning 28, man. Like, we ain't seen you in like three months. Come on, man. Just come hang out with us a little bit, man. Just hang out a couple hours, get home. Did God really say I shouldn't? I mean, I'm not going to do anything. That's my friends. Okay. And in my mind and heart, I, I was going to do the right thing. I was going to pop in, like, What's up, everybody? Happy birthday. Love you all. Bye. Run. Nope. One beer ain't going to hurt. Heck, two might not hurt. Ten's going to hurt. <laughs> right back in. Right back in. And so I think where I want to drive that home, David, you can come on up. Especially with, with kids is like, if they're not hearing you say what's right and wrong, and you're not showing them what's right and wrong, something the enemy's gonna it's gonna tickle their mind. Something's gonna something's gonna bring in that desire, and, and you don't we don't know you don't know what what your kids are kind of. One TikTok video of a girl in a little skimpy outfit. And also the boy goes, ooh, I like that. Wonder if there's more. Wonder if she wasn't wearing a skimpy outfit. Real talk, man. I see my, you know, my, my personal thing. Here, here, here's, I grew up with, Alcohol was not, it was just, it was, it just wasn't weird. It was just everywhere. But yet, a really kind of strange thing happened. I'll never forget, I was like 14, maybe, 13, 14. And we, there was a cemetery right across the street from my grandparents' house. And we, we cut through it to go up to like Braddock and play basketball. And I was going up through the cemetery and some kids from the neighborhood were there. And uh, get drinking in the cemetery. And they're like, man, come on, man, have a beer. And I'm like, I, I, it's like I knew right away. I was like, no. I, it like scared me. I was like, no, I don't want that. I, I knew it was wrong. And I, again, I, I don't know if it was my grandma. I don't know who instilled that in me. But I knew it was wrong. But then, like a year later, Visiting my father, he come in hammered, six pack on the table. You're having beer with your, with your dad. Okay. God. He drank five. I drank one. See, you split a six pack with me. I'm like, yeah. And then there was a party when I was like 17. Girl, I was really just, come on, man, you gotta come out. You gotta come out, man. We're all we're going, we're going to the, the skating rink. 
gonna hang out this house first. All right. Everybody playing drinking games. All right, I wanna be cool. I don't really like where I'm going with this, but okay. Man, I feel pretty good. Hey, this ain't too bad. And then I am in starlight, just, uh, uh. Jay, you can't dance with a lick. I know, but man, I feel good doing it. I'm glad you didn't have your camera out, man. <laughs> so, eventually, I, I wore down. Alcohol became a, a thing. I just want to end this by, by first of all saying we, we got to be more diligent with acknowledging the enemy's existence and what he's trying to do in our lives. What he's trying to do in your kids' lives. What he's trying to do in your loved ones' lives. Your friends, your co-workers. I mean, I should have put it on the slide, but I didn't, but the, the Bible tells us be cognizant of what, I mean, his scheme, the enemy's schemes. Be, you got to realize he's up to no good. Like, he's trying. You know, why is this thing all dead up in front of me? Hello? <laughs> and you parents out there, like, again, twofold. Don't let the enemy beat you into guilt if your kids are making bad decisions. But also, make sure you've, you've taught your kids right, wrong, right, wrong. Bible says this, Bible says this, Bible says this. Then it's in them. There's no excuse. You, you can't look at God and say, man, I messed up. God can't come back at you and say, hey, why didn't you teach? I, I did. God, so that's, that's, you don't have that to worry about. The seeds are in there. That's all you can do as a parent. Train them right and then turn them loose, knowing that all those seeds of goodness are in there. All those seeds of right and wrong are in there. And even if they mess up, like the prodigal son, they're going to come to their senses. They're going to wake up one day and be like, This isn't what, this is what mom and dad warned me about. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I need to repent and go back. today. I'd like to twofold. You know, a lot of people, like Pastor Fred said earlier, we, we see a lot of people, you know, salvation and get baptized. So if there's someone in here and you're like, I, I don't know the Lord. I need to really get my life right, get saved, find the Lord, get Jesus in my life. Please don't walk out the door without coming up and saying, I want to be saved. I need Jesus in my life. And also, I'd like to open up the altar for people to just, you know, get up here, talk to God, confess something. Maybe you need to confess a sin. You don't need to, listen, I'm not sitting here saying you need to tell me, a friend or something. You don't need to come up here and say it to anybody in particular. It could be just between you and God. Lord, I'm confessing this thing I've been struggling with. I'm confessing this thing. Your, Bible, your word says I need to confess. You'll forgive. Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. A lot of times we don't want to do that because we're worried that someone in the back is going, who's, man, what are they? We got to, like, that's going right back into what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to be full of drama and he wants them to be full of shame. Don't let him do that. If someone comes up here to confess, celebrate it. Celebrate, they're getting cleansed. A lot of you probably would be like, man, I wish I had the guts to get up here and do that. I need cleansed. So as David placed softly, we use the Benny Hinn term, spiritual, spiritual sound. 
spiritual sound. Something spiritual and soft. Soft. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to get on my knees. I know some stuff I got to confess. And if anybody wants to join me, please come forward. If you need to get saved, please come see us.